everybody. Welcome to Leading for Life Stories Season 2. My name is Bob Judson and I'm your host for this podcast and I'm absolutely delighted to have you here joining me. Thanks very much and I really, really hope you enjoy what follows. This week I thought I'd return to a thematic episode and talk about something that actually comes up an awful lot when I'm doing training work with, uh, with teams and with individuals actually who are going up the leadership ladder and talk about teamwork and in the context of trust, empowerment and delegation, which I think are really challenging areas for, uh, for lots of emerging leaders in particular, people who are getting, taking their first steps on the kind of bigger leadership ladder to, uh, to work out how they're actually going to do this. How can they let go from some of the things they've, uh, they've done before? Because without doubt, it's, it's one of the key challenges of leadership. Letting go is hard we all get promoted and move up ladders in organizations on the basis of performance and things we are good at. And, and instinctively, it is tough to then say, okay, I'm going to stop doing some of those things, let someone else do that. And I'm going to focus on other stuff, which is a bit more foreign, a bit more challenging, perhaps in some ways, certainly until you get used to it. Uh, and you're then trusting somebody else or several somebody else's to, uh, to do the work that you previously did. And, and it, it does test your resolve, test your confidence, I think, as a leader as to how you're, uh, how you're going to go with that. And, and the consequences is really easy to end up keeping everything and just add more and, uh, and not actually let go of stuff and think you're letting go of it. Talk the talk, be, uh, you know, no, no, I've done good at this. I do lots of delegation. Um, and, and, but actually what you're still doing is you're still right on top of all the detail. And the more senior you get, and I suspect any senior leaders listening to this will recognize this point, that you, know, you really can't do that. You do have to let go of a lot of stuff. You have to get much better at delegation. And the, there's no absolute alternative to that. You know, you, you, if you don't do it, then stuff happens that isn't good. You know, you're you're going to burn out for, uh, for you. That's for sure. That's a major factor. Your team is undoubtedly going to get frustrated uh, at the fact that you're still gripping hold of things and you're not necessarily trusting them to do stuff and they, they feel kind of disempowered and, uh, and incapable of necessarily stepping up themselves into, uh, into where they need to go. And I think it's a useful exercise, therefore, to just have a, a kind of run through some of the things here that I've learned along the way and I think might be useful to, uh, to you because, as I say, it's a subject that, that comes up a lot in, in conversations Starting off then, I mean, I think the, the, the impact for you as an individual, if you're, you're the leader here, if you do try and hang on to everything, you will, over time at least, become less and less good at what you do. You won't be able to stay across every detail of everything you're doing. You will, in terms of looking up and out in the organization, be necessarily constrained because there's only so many hours in the day and days in the week. And if you don't let go of some stuff, then how do you free up the time to actually do the new things that are being demanded of you in, in bigger roles? And that leads to challenges. It can lead to challenges in your in your work life where actually you start, your performance is, is falling off a bit. It can equally lead to challenges in your personal life because some of the time you know, your compensation is you work much harder, you work longer hours, you're pushing to try and do all the things you ever did and more and overlay stuff on top of that. And, and that isn't a great place to uh, to end up either. So the very clear bottom line here is you need to find ways and strategies of doing things slightly differently. Look through the other lens, look at it from your team's point of view, and, and whether that's individuals in the team or, or the team as a whole, then 
it's really important to grow them. It's important to build their skills, to prepare them for uh, for bigger roles, to get them to a place where ultimately they are able to do the job you're doing and or other jobs that are like it, move, move them into a space that they genuinely are feeling better as leaders and they're being developed as leaders. And it, it actually makes a difference in that if you do share more, you give more opportunity to them, they feel you care more because actually you know, there is a risk. You might perceive it that actually you're dumping a load of stuff on them and you're making them work harder and they're then going to feel that uh, you know, you're uh, you know, you're not not caring about them. You're actually just making their lives more difficult. And that's a style thing. I mean, obviously you do have to pay attention to that for sure that you know, you're you're doing it for the right reasons. You're giving them credit for the work that they actually do. You're using it as a vehicle to uh, you know to empower them, to make them better, and you're making it very clear to them that that is what's happening. Not that you're just dumping stuff on them that you don't like doing anymore, but genuinely giving them things that are going to challenge them, stretch them, move them out of their comfort zone, move you out of your comfort zone in terms of actually doing it. And, uh, and into your stretch zone, uh, at least with particularly for the team, possibly the occasional excursion into the panic zone where they feel that they're really going to struggle to do this. And, uh, and that's not a bad thing. It definitely is a good thing to be, uh, be pushing the boundaries a, uh, a fair amount because that helps them flourish. And the other thing that really helps them flourish is removing the safety net, if you like. If you are the kind of leader who, even if you feel you've delegated and you've said, right, okay, I want you to do this, this, and this for me. But then actually when the work comes up, you look through it, you correct it, you rewrite it almost totally, or you present something completely different to what they've actually prepared for you. Then two things happen. One is you generate a load of extra work for yourself, which is probably not where you want to be. But importantly, from the team's point of view, what are they going to think about that? They're going to look at that and they're going to basically think, well, A, why did I bother? Why did I spend time and effort drafting this presentation or written document, whatever it happens to be, only to have it absolutely savaged and uh, and nothing survives contact with uh, with you as the boss? And that's frustrating for them. But it also importantly means that over time, they're going to care less about what they put up to you because inevitably they're going to think, well, actually, do you know what? I can give you a 60, 70% solution or uh, or maybe even less than that on the basis that I know you're going to rewrite it anyway. So what's the point in me spending a whole load more time and effort doing it and making it a really polished and perfected document? Because if you don't like it, you, you know, you'll just change it. And it's an interesting, for, for me, this was one of the big um, learning curves personally for me over time. I, I used to be, still am really, very particular about written work. Uh, I was particularly conscientious about uh, grammar and style and formatting and real you know, sort of detail of the way documents looked and the way presentations looked and so on. And I had very much my kind of views on what worked and what didn't work. And as I got into leadership roles in in the Air Force with this initially, then what I found was I, I was doing exactly what I've just described. I was asking people to produce stuff for me and then I was not really correcting it and sending it back to them. I would rarely do that. What I would tend to do is I would actually just you know, correct it as I wanted it to be. And I would, would then send them a copy of what went final. So they at least saw the final output, if you like, of, of what had happened. But inevitably that had the same effect because if actually, you know, next to nothing had survived, then, you know, they got, got pretty frustrated. And I definitely saw 
a downturn in the work of some of the people working for me on the basis that they thought, well, okay, what's the point? You know, we're just going to basically uh, be in a position where he's going to change it anyway. Let's not do that. And I also looked at myself pretty hard in the mirror on this and went, okay, so just because that's my style and that's my way of doing it and that's the way I would write it, does that make the way that this has now been presented to me wrong? And the answer is almost invariably, of course not. You know, different people have different styles. They'll uh, they'll approach it slightly differently. Certainly, it, you've got to check the facts, and it's got to be accurate, and it's got to be answering the question and providing the right message, and and being appropriately corporate and, you know, and, and on brand and all those sorts of things. But if it does those, and actually it just is different to the way you would have written it or prepared it, then actually the right thing to do, I think, as a leader, is to turn around and go, do you know what? I'm going to absolutely accept that. And even if you're then signing the document, you're signing a document that you perhaps wouldn't have written it that way yourself, but you know, then it's fine if actually it serves the purpose. And quite often, of course, the team that are working for you may well actually be closer to the subject matter anyway. They might be more in the detail, might have greater expertise. And so they're bringing a perspective that you can't necessarily bring. Now, I'm not saying before anybody screams at the uh, you know, into the headphones here that this is always the case. I mean, clearly there are plenty of times when as a senior leader, you have the bigger picture view, you'll have a more strategic view, if you like, of what the requirement is, you'll be able to focus more on that. And you may well find something coming up to you that is too in the weeds, too much in the detail, and needs to be changed and corrected in order to uh, to hit the mark with whatever the target audience is. So then there's definitely stuff you need to do. And equally, individual capability varies enormously. There will be people that you can definitely trust quite quickly, uh, who pick up your style quickly, know what's going to work, what's going to f- work, go through you, that you'll be satisfied with, and they'll respond to that. There'll be other people who are much slower to do that and, and actually much less capable, if you like, with uh, with written words or presentations or whatever it happens to be. So then the effort is definitely around building up their capability. And it, that that's a point I'll come back to in a minute because I think there's a really important angle around uh, how you treat the team and how you kind of even up the levels in uh, in the team. But finding a way to trust yourself to let them produce documents and, and work for you that you're then prepared to sign off on is a really key uh, step along this particular road because one of the big things it does is it does take away that safety net because if they find that what you're actually doing is you're taking a look at the document saying, yeah, that's absolutely fine. You're signing it and you're sending it. And you do that a couple of times, then they will genuinely, and particularly if they're signing it instead of you signing it, then suddenly the safety net has disappeared. The trapeze artist swinging high above the arena who doesn't have a safety net is going to cling onto that trapeze a lot tighter potentially than someone who does have a safety net and knows that actually it doesn't matter if they fall off or not. So it's definitely something to think about as to whether you can get to a place where the individuals feel that, yeah, they've got to deliver this because it really counts and it's going to reflect on them, but also the organization. And they want, because personal pride's going to get in the way here, to deliver something that is 100% solution as best they absolutely can. And then minor tweaks and, and adjustments and a bit of advice here and there might be all that's needed to turn around and actually make the uh, you know, make the change that uh, that really uh, really helps. I said I'd come back to the the team dynamics piece here because I think the other thing I see a lot and talk a lot about with uh, with audiences is where you have teams of people working for you and consultancies. This is particularly prevalent. 
then quite often people have favorites. They'll have people in the team that they know will get the job done. And I mean, the age old saying, you know, give a job to a busy person because you kind of know they're going to deliver for you. And then that's true to a large extent. And you'll have people who are really good, really capable. And often they will be the kind of go-to individuals that you'll want to turn around and throw this particular problem at because that is the quickest and most efficient way of getting the work done. Of course, if you've got a team where, let's say for argument's sake, 60% of it are the people that you use all the time and 40% of it, and the percentages are arbitrary, they could be completely different, obviously. 40% of it are people that you really don't use unless you have no choice. Then what happens is inevitably the the busy people, the busy team members can feel very positive about that. They know that they're, they're the preferred ones. They know they're probably going to get the promotion and they're going to get the credit, the credit and all the rest of it. But in remuneration terms, they may well be paid the same as the people who are actually doing an awful lot less and that may be wearing over time. There's also a very significant risk for those individuals of burnout because obviously you're giving them more and more to do. They're going to feel that pressure keenly. They might be the sort of people that always step up to volunteer for absolutely everything. And thinking through how do I actually get that right and get that balance right for the good people is, again, an important step. But equally, thinking of the people who've got development needs in your team. If there are people you don't use, why don't you use them? How can you actually get to a place where you get them opportunities and build opportunities for them that provide the right kind of development challenge that moves them up the capability scale and gets them to where they ultimately need to be to be performers. Now, again, I'm not saying that that's always 100% possible. There are plenty of occasions clearly when it might well not be and you might have to manage people out of the organization, et cetera, and they may just not be up to the job. But if you're finding yourself systematically looking at the favorites in your team and pulling them aside to give them the jobs every time, then just have a look at yourself in the mirror and go, okay, let me think about this. How do I actually even that out? How do I get the workload more balanced? How do I share the opportunities? And how I, how do I genuinely develop the skills of those that are less capable in the, uh, in the team? One of the things we used to talk about a lot in the military was, was we used the term mission command. And, and what essentially we meant by that was telling someone what to do, not how to do it. And in example terms, basically giving them a box and you know, a cube, if you like, of a certain size, and the size might be bigger or smaller, depending on the capability of the individual. And within that, you've turned around and said, okay, the job that I want you to do is in this box. The The size of the box is the boundaries which you have to work to work within. So someone who's hugely capable in your team might have very loose boundaries. You may be able to turn around and give them an awful lot of latitude to turn around and get the job done. And you know that they're going to do it to the best of their ability, but they're still going to have boundaries. They're going to have things that they can't go beyond someone who's less capable needs more development, then the box is going to be smaller. There's going to be more referral back to you for advice, for counselling, for assurance that they're doing it within the boundaries, etc. But the important thing is giving them a box at all and giving them a requirement to do it and telling them what to do, not how to do it. Then you're giving them the opportunity to flourish. You're empowering them. You're making them feel as though, okay, this is now my challenge. If you give them every detail of how you want the job done and you're very specific about it, then that can be pretty frustrating for individuals who have bright ideas and capability that you are not tapping into by uh, by taking that kind of approach. So again, it's something worth thinking about. If, you're, if you can let stuff go in a way that actually is safe for the organization, 
giving people that extra latitude, give them the box to work within, tell them what you want them to do, not how you want them to do it. And actually you might be surprised at the results because very often what will happen is the people that work for you, they will have really capable ideas and and good ideas and, and a lot of things you won't have thought of. And they'll come back with proposals that are very innovative and you know more developed and, and broadening than you perhaps would have done if you'd just done it on your own or if you dictated to them exactly how you wanted it done. So I really commend it to you as something to try. I think if you if you can find a way to turn around and make sure you're evening out the uh, the levels across your team by taking away the favorites bit and, and genuinely upskilling the people who need the uh, the extra challenge. And doing the mission command thing, tell them what you want them to do, not telling them how to do it. Let them get on with it. Let them produce a result for you and see what they de- they deliver as a uh, as a direct result. The next topic that I want to cover in this is is just as important, really. And it's the whole issue of delegation, which you can argue some of what I've been talking about is already delegation. You're you're delegating some of the responsibilities down to the team, and you're letting them get on with it. But I'm thinking specifically in terms of actually taking away things that you used to do and giving them to other people to make sure that you are no longer doing those at all. Those responsibilities you are now delegating downwards to uh, to someone to say, okay, I want you to do this because that's how you grow. So you're getting better. You're getting to a position where in time you have the capability to replace me or to uh, take on another senior role within the organization or indeed just more generally in other organizations, you, you have prepared them better for bigger roles. And they get better by giving, being given power, given authority, given capability, and genuinely trusted to deliver it. It's no good giving them the responsibility and then checking up on them every five minutes because they don't feel empowered. They feel watched. They feel micromanaged. They feel, again, another military term perhaps, but long screwdrivered. If you're reaching into the organization with a very long screwdriver and tweaking the screws and, and changing things, then actually that's quite corrosive and you know ultimately on the uh, on the organization because they don't feel that they are trusted and that trust equation piece for uh, for people as a uh, as part of a team is a really really important aspect they need to feel that you trust them and that you're going to let them get on with it and develop their uh, their skills and and it's really really important that you try and find a uh, a way to do that and Again, by way of example, I mean, I, I think, you know, people often say, oh, this is it's really difficult. You know, I've got the, all these responsibilities. Only I can do this. You know, I need uh, you know, uh, uh, the spotlights on me and I have to uh, have to do this. Otherwise, I can't let go. And I, I genuinely encourage people to challenge that and look in the mirror again and, and have a really, you know, really sort of harsh, introspective look at whether that really is the case, because often it isn't going to be the case. Often you will absolutely be in a position where not only can you delegate, but you really should delegate for a number of obvious reasons. One is nobody is indispensable. You might suddenly be unavailable for all sorts of reasons, not least health uh, or some other family crisis or just transport or something that has stopped you being in a place for a particular time. You don't want the organization to grind to a halt as a result of that. You want people to have the chance to step up and flourish when the uh, you know when those opportunities present and they'll do that if you give them the chance to practice it and to be empowered and so on and so forth and you also want to be in a position where you know as i said right at the outset you are shedding things that you're doing because that gives you more space 
both in your personal life, but also in your professional life, to look upwards, outwards, think bigger thoughts, do stuff that you should be doing as a more senior leader, because actually you've got rid of some of the things that you were doing previously and let other people get on and, uh, and do it. Temporarily, it's important too. If you're in a, in a leadership role where you're in charge of something, then having somebody who genuinely can step up in your absence and, and at a moment's notice is really important. The example I use a lot when I, uh, when I talk to groups about this is when I was commanding Kandahar Airfield in Afghanistan. It was a huge job. I mean, there were 25,000 people on that base. There were 170 airplanes. You know, I was responsible for all of the force protection for the entire base, all the logistics for the entire base, the entire air environment. So there was a, a lot going on on a, on a daily basis. It was, uh, it was extremely busy. And I, I had, during the, the nine months I was in Afghanistan, I had two periods of leave. And the first one of those, I actually went on a, uh, on a holiday to Oman. And my wife flew out from the UK and, and met me in Oman. And I was determined that, you know, I needed time, space to recharge batteries for me. But also what I didn't want to do was feel that I was, my team felt that I was constantly reaching back into them. I would just let them get on with it, see how they stepped up to the challenge and, uh, and go with it. And I had a deputy commander who was a very capable individual who uh, I said to him, hey, right, okay, there are, for argument's sake, four things going on this week that are, uh, you know, while I'm away, that are really important, that I'm paying attention to, and I've done a lot of preparation for. These are the things. The, uh, you know, you need to take those on and would spend some time talking about those. And then my argument would be, right, okay, now everything else, you just deal with it. I don't want to hear from you apart from for two reasons. You call me if somebody dies or if something happens on the base that's going to make the international news. Anything else, I want you to just deal with it. Tell me about when I get back. Now, I wouldn't for a second pretend that I went away for a week and I didn't look at a single email and I didn't have any interest at all in what was going on. Of course, I paid attention, but I didn't reply to anything. What I did was just let that all run. And on the basis that what I wanted to do was get back a week later without a thousand unread emails that I needed to catch up with. You know, I wanted to make sure that I was in a, uh, in a position where I was reasonably on top of it. But two things directly happened as a result of taking that kind of approach. One was I had a much better holiday, which was really important. And, and without being flippant about it, I mean, it was a busy command job. I needed the space to, uh, to recharge batteries and, and get back ready to get back into the, uh, into the mission, you know, on, on full charge. And uh, the other one was, of course, my, uh, my deputy commander had a very interesting week because he was genuinely empowered. He had all my, res- my, my sort of authority, as it were. He was able to do uh, everything that I could. And he genuinely felt that he didn't have a safety net at that point. He was basically working on his own. I'd put the pressure on him, unspoken, that if you're calling me for anything other than those two specific things I'd laid out, then actually, why are you calling me? You shouldn't be doing that. You should be just getting on and dealing with it yourself. And that's exactly what happened. And of course, he, he did a fantastic job. I, came, you know, I got a very good brief when I got back. I was up to speed very quickly with everything that had gone on. And it was you know, a really useful experience for me, useful experience for him. And, and that's something I've, I've done lots and lots of times over various different jobs I've been through. And, and it always works because I always think if you genuinely mean it, if you, you really do give people the responsibility, they do step up in a remarkable way and the uh, and they will perform way above it, perhaps even your expectations and very often above their own expectations as well because it gives them that opportunity to flourish and they, and they they value it they think it they feel you care about them and as a leader 
you are genuinely trusting, taking care of your team, etc. Now, again, if you listen back to some of my previous podcasts, you know, talking to uh, to General David Petraeus, we talked a bit about this, and and his comment was he had the ability to do exactly what I've been describing. He also had the ability to be a good micromanager when he needed to be because he had some people that he genuinely needed to keep really close tabs on. And I think that's right. I don't think you you can't say this is a one-size-fits-all. You're definitely going to be in a position that some of the time there'll be things going on that you cannot just let run free without your uh, your active involvement, either because it's just expected that you are going to be involved to a much more active level or because you don't have people that you genuinely can trust and feel that they really are going to deliver in uh, you know, in your absence. So I'm definitely not suggesting it's a one-size solution here, and I'm definitely not suggesting that any of the advice is you know completely binary. You should you know you should just do it this way, and that's it. There will always be variation. It depends on the individuals and the individuals and the team. What I am suggesting, though, is that the concept of trust, empowerment, and delegation is fundamental to a leader of a team. And if you get that right, it makes your team better. It makes your life better because it actually creates, genuinely creates the space for you to do the things you should be doing as a more senior leader and focusing on the bigger challenges that are uh, that are out there and ahead of you rather than actually looking down into the minutiae of the organization. And having a process within that that allows you to stay on top of the detail when you need to and ensure that you're regularly being updated on the key issues and you're keeping a close eye on the team you have and the people you have within that team and making sure you're comfortable with what level of delegation am I giving an empowerment am I giving to any individual within that team at any particular moment is is obviously really key to this. But overall, it's definitely something I would absolutely commend to you. I really hope that's useful. I think the, uh, as I say, it's an area that I talk on, I talk a lot about to uh, you know to people. And you know, I think if you look yourself in the mirror and go, how good am I at this? And if you're great at it, fantastic. If you're not so great and you do some of the things I've been talking about, like you have favorites or you're not very good at delegating or you don't actually empower people very well or you correct all the work that comes up to you and send off something completely different to what's been drafted, just have a think about how can I actually change my approach? What can I do that genuinely gives more flexibility to the team below me and empowers them more and develops them more? And I think you'll find it helpful. That's it for this week. As ever, I'll be really, really grateful for any feedback you've got, but uh, I really hope you enjoy this and I'll see you again soon. Thanks very much.